Julie Ryan, noted psychic and medical intuitive, is ready to answer your personal questions, even those you never knew you could ask. For more than 25 years, as she developed and refined her intuitive skills, Julie used her knowledge as a successful inventor and businesswoman to help others. Now, she wants to help you to grow, heal, and get the answers you've been longing to hear. Do you have a question for someone who's transitioned? Do you have a medical issue? What about your pet's health or behavior? Perhaps you have a loved one who's close to death and you'd like to know what's happening. Are you on the path to fulfill your life's purpose? No matter where you are in the world, take a journey to the other side and ask Julie Ryan. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Ask Julie Ryan Show. I'm Julie, your host, and I'm so delighted you could join us this week. My intention in doing this show is to provide information, insight, and comfort to people all around the world by helping to answer life's unanswerable questions. And boy, do I have a special treat for you guys this week. We have Dr. Mark Pitstick with us, who we were just talking before we started the show, and we're both Buckeyes. And he graduated from the Ohio State University like I did. So that makes him, that makes you way cool, Mark, just that fact alone. But uh, everybody, Dr. Mark has over 40 years' experience in training in hospitals, pastoral counseling settings, mental health centers, and private practice. His training includes a pre-med degree, graduate theology and pastoral counseling studies, a master's in clinical psychology, and a doctorate in chiropractic health care. He's the director of the Soul Phone Foundation that supports the work of Dr. Gary Schwartz at the University of Arizona to enable spirit communication with departed loved ones. And Mark's also vice president for Eternia. Did I say that right, Mark? Eternia? Yes. Okay, an organization merging science and spirituality started by neurosurgeon Dr. Eben Alexander. In addition, Mark's written Soul Proof, Radiant Wellness, The Eleven Questions, co-authored Greater Reality Living with Dr. Gary Schwartz, and produced a documentary called Soul Proof. So, Mark, welcome to the show. I'm delighted to have you, and it sounds to me like you are a colossal overachiever. (laughs) Well, look who's talking. Oh gosh, I feel like an amateur compared to you. My goodness, what what a what an amazing uh, resume here, or or in the trade they would say a CV, right? And uh, my gosh, how wonderful that you've been able to do all these remarkable things and and share them with the world. Well, I think it's possible for most all of us if we focus long and hard enough on a certain topic with passion. Oh, I agree. I agree. I think, and I think we're led to your point when we pay attention to what our inspiration is as it comes in. So, so Mark, you say the collective scientific, clinical, and experiential evidence now clearly shows that bodily death is not the end of life. So, please tell us about the research conducted on this topic and the conclusions it has produced. Yes, this is actually the first year, Julie, we've been able to say that um, accurately uh, with sufficient data behind it. Uh, I wrote the book Soul Proof 20 years ago with all the collective and empirical evidence, near-death experiences, after-death contacts, etc. But again, just this year, the scientific research conducted at the University of Arizona 
by Dr. Gary Schwartz and his team of electrical engineers, software specialists, optical physicists, and a number of evidential mediums, as well as help from the A-team, that is, the, quote, departed luminaries who have been feeding bits of information. Uh, they, with that team effort, have put together the first soul phone device, we call the soul switch, which is a binary indicator allowing yes, no answers from those on, again, quote the other side. I don't want to say quote a lot because a lot of the language you, we use is just really inaccurate. You know, there are no sides, there is no divide, division. But um, these experiments then have been replicated many times in three different centers. Dr. Schwartz is in the process of writing up uh, scientific papers for two highly respected journals. We're also preparing to launch what are called multi-centered, multi-blind, randomized controlled trials in probably about 10 top universities around the world. Uh, so they have the opportunity to run the same experiments and see if everything replicates, which we're quite certain it will based on the vast amount of experiments we've run. Uh, so the, as a scientist, Dr. Schwartz says, based on the data, he is 99.99% certain, and that's the highest degree of certainty you'll hear from a, a real scientist, that, number one, presence of spirit, that is, life does continue after bodily death, and two, at least some of them, we can't generalize, but we know that at least eight of the 18 members who have been working with us can and want to communicate. Tell us about the A-team. I've heard you talk about that in the past, but tell everybody who's listening about the A-team and who the A-team members are. Yeah, actually, we're not doing much of that right now. We um, talk a bit about it on the website and also in the book Dr. Schwartz and I wrote uh, called Greater Reality Living. But we want to be careful not to push people's BS meters um, you know, because this is, it's mind-boggling, and the mind can just say, oh, this is, this is baloney, this is made up, when in fact it's all built upon the shoulders of true science. Um, but we have revealed some, and a few of the members I can mention are people like Albert Einstein, Thomas Edison, Nikola Tesla, David Bohm, who is a colleague of Einstein's, a Princeton mathematician and quantum physicist, people like that who were in the top of their fields while they're on Earth, and now from their different perspective in the field of all possibilities, want to help us here heal our world. Um, and those are, you know, I'll just give a quick history. Dr. Schwartz, um, as you know, um, Harvard professor, and then a tenured Yale professor, and then came to the University of Arizona 20 years ago. Uh, because that's a more liberal school, and the others obviously are very fine schools but tend to be a little conservative. Dr. Schwartz, having done so much in so many fields, for example, he was one of a handful of people who started behavioral medicine in the 70s. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding that's me? Amazing. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, that is amazing. Um, yeah. But he wanted to look into the study of afterlife um, survival and reasoned that one of the best ways to do that would be to study mediums. To his own experience, mm -hmm. he, his hypothesis was that at least some mediums were highly evidential, that is, could accurately communicate with those who had passed on. 
uh, but also some mediums were fakes. In fact, he took training how to be a fake medium so he could spot <laughs> cold readings and fishing and so on. And then other right. mediums other mediums are just pretty mediocre. Well, after doing uh, several years of studies, double-blind, triple-blind studies with some of the top mediums at the time, George Anderson, John Edward, and others, um, found that indeed there were about 20 who had, on average, 86% success rate, hit rate, compared to the control group, that is non-mediums, 23%. And the statistical significance for that happening by chance, that is randomly, are one in a trillion. Um, That then piqued his interest in, okay, well, we know that some people can't communicate. Is there a way for us to develop technology? And upon that thought, very soon, uh, several of the mediums, he, he has kept in touch very close with about 10 of them. And so they will feed him information. And when that came in independently and the same uh, information, he considered it to be pretty valid. Uh, sometimes words that the mediums didn't even know if they were really words, very technical electrical engineering terms, you know, mm-hmm. you need to increase the capacitance while um, maintaining the impedance. And <laughs> so I've seen some of the... Uh, emails from these mediums, and they go like, I don't even know what the hell this means. I don't even know if they're real <laughs> words, but I was told to tell you this. So it's it's such a uh, lovely and funny history how this has come about. Well, then right. over the last 10 years, Dr. Schwartz and this team I mentioned, as well as different graduate students, just brilliant people, um, have worked then to put together this technology. It's a trick because... Uh, what has to be done, and I'll say we because I've served as a research assistant for about a year over the last three years there, Uh, we have to amp up their signal, not that those in the post-material world have weak signals, but as far as they can be measured by our current technology, we have to amp up their signal. At the same time, we have to dampen the background noise, electromagnetic fields, 110 outlets, fluorescent lights, and so on, so that Mm -hmm. we can spot their light, their presence, their signal, their physicality. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, interesting about those deceased, brilliant minds. I teach a class, Mark, and last session we had one of our students was a retired rocket scientist who worked with the um, missile group up at Redstone Arsenal in Huntsville, Alabama, where Dr. Von Braun and the whole Apollo program and all of that was started and and, uh, still exists today. And he wanted to talk to Einstein about a theory that he was working on. So we called Einstein in in our class, and the whole class and I and this student, who's a retired rocket scientist, we all had a conversation with Einstein. And it was really interesting because he was talking in language <laughs> none of uh, none of us that have technical minds knew what the heck he was talking about so i know exactly what you're saying on that and it was really fascinating and what i find is that we can just call in whoever we want and they come in immediately that's been my experience over 20 some years also on uh you know, on information like what Einstein was talking about in our class, I have done work with CEOs of major corporations and 
and given uh, information from deceased brilliant people about what satellite orbit, about satellite orbits and satellite names and latitude and longitude and that kind of stuff. I don't know any of that stuff, so it didn't make sense to me, but I know exactly what you're talking about. I had read, too, somewhere, Mark, that um, was it was it Einstein or Edison or Bell or all of them were, when they were alive, they were working on some kind of a device to communicate with the deceased. Is that true? Uh, Edison, Bell, and Marconi, yes. Um Inventors, of course, of uh, Edison, many electrical appliances, Bell, the telephone, and Marconi, the radio, all were working on various devices to try to communicate with, quote, the dead. Uh, but, of course, during their time, I mean, for most of them, the early um, 20th century, um, the technology just wasn't there to achieve. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the first big news for your listeners. The soul phone devices have now shown that life continues. We say we can now scientifically demonstrate the survival of consciousness. And that in itself is huge news. Um, you know, if if we achieve nothing else from that, that's what many people have been waiting for long enough. And we're not even officially announcing yet because... You know, we live in an age where uh, people are so cynical. Let's face it, people have been lied to, and and people don't know what to believe. There's such a plethora of information out there, and that's why Dr. Schwartz wants to finish these multi-center studies first and get his different journal articles out before he makes official presentations, and we really Mm -hmm. open up to the media. And... um, but we are going to start demonstrating these devices in February of next year. And those who are into, these are called SEED events, S-E-E-D, standing for Soul Phone Education, Ethics, and Demonstration Events. Day-long events starting in Tampa, Florida, February 8th, and then weekly at different cities on Gulf Side, Florida, Atlantic Side, up the coast up to, you know, Baltimore, New York, et cetera, and then on over to the Midwest. So demonstrating these devices so people can wrap their head around it. You know, you hear it on the phones, like, yeah, right. Um, but <laughs> you see it in action is another thing. Right, right. So if somebody goes to one of those events and they, are you going to choose audience members and they can come up and they can talk to their deceased grandmother, or how's that going to work? Hmm. I wish we were that far along. Okay. Excuse me. The um, Here's how the event one play uh, unfold, rather. The, first of all, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm biking this morning and breathing in all kinds of pollen and stuff. Um, first of all, Dr. Schwartz will speak about the science behind all this and about the soul phone. Second, his wife, Rhonda Schwartz, who's a selective research medium, she has been one of the main people, although there are 10 others, as I say, but one of the main people working with the A-team over the last 10 years. She will talk about evidential mediums, what those are, and more about the A-team. I will then speak, and by the way, they'll be present via uh, live streaming teleconferencing mm-hmm. so they don't have to mm-hmm. travel around the country because they're working on the next stage of the soul phone. Um, 
I will then talk about greater reality living, which is our term for how people might choose to live once they know they're eternal beings and things like fearing death or not seeing loved ones again of past are really needless because uh, that's just not the reality. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the different practical benefits of this, especially for people who are searching and suffering, you know, going through the toughest, children pass, loved one die by suicide, spouse passed, etc. Then we will have a series of three demonstrations. First, showing the device, and this will be displayed, a big screen overhead, with a baseline, the control, what we call no participant control. What does everything look like when nobody's touching, nobody's even close to this very ultra-sensitive equipment? And it's kind of like a flat line EEG, just a little... um, action along the x-axis, the horizontal axis, again, reflecting background noise. And we'll control that as much as we can. For example, people's cell phones turned off, but, you know, it's impossible to get away from all this EMR scatter. Then, secondly, we will have an audience member come up and demonstrate what a human um, contact looks like when a human touches it. And that's big energy because, you know, the human's right there with their their big physical hands and so on. And Mm -hmm. then one of the A-team members will interact with the equipment and show their smaller but very obvious and statistically significant. We'll have the graphs, the the data, the light uh, shown on the overhead that people can see, especially in certain regions of interest. And that's the state of the... Uh, technology right now for that. It's called a stage two prototype and achieving a stage three prototype, which will allow what you're describing, instantaneous answers, um, impervious to electromagnetic fields, allowing direct communication uh, and getting yes, no answers is about uh, $2 million away, requiring about a year of a full-time electrical engineer, full-time software specialist, a clean room, et cetera. But it'll happen. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So what do you envision this soul phone, say, in 20 years, if you had a crystal ball and you could envision what it was going to look like and who would have access to it? Is it something that will be as commonplace as a cell phone for anybody that wants it or what do you what do you think will happen with this? If, in obviously, let's say in the next twenty or whatever. Like, what are, what are the stages that you think this will go through? Let's say in the next twenty years. Yeah. Well, the the first device, as I say, is the soul switch. And once we have the stage three soul switch, then that will be ready to incorporate into a soul keyboard. Uh, you know, if you look at your laptop in front of you, a keyboard is about 43 switches. And if a person pushes the L key, that's a yes for the L and a no for everything else. So these switches, as we miniaturize them, can then be incorporated into a sole keyboard, which Dr. Schwartz anticipates in the beginning will be about four foot wide and three foot deep. However, <clears throat> it will enable hunt and peck um, texting and typing with those living in another realm. That will then allow a 
much greater quality and quantity of information to come through from the aid team and others who want to help. Uh, we've mm-hmm. been told that there are hundreds more like them just waiting in the wings, but <clears throat> we can only process so many, so much incoming data at this point. You know, mm-hmm. you have a high degree of uh, confidence about what comes through as a medium, and, and perhaps understandably so, but Dr. Schwartz is a skeptical scientist, and he knows from experience that even the very best mediums have bad days. Sometimes they fall into monkey minds. So while he listens to input from them, he only takes it with um, more than a grain of salt, but he only considers it. You know, He doesn't just run with it and say, okay, uh, a couple of mediums said that. It must be true. However, again, once we have the sole keyboard, then we will have more reliable, accurate data coming through all the time. <coughs> My guess would be that you know, if we got the funding today, uh, my guess would be that in a year and a half we'd have that sole keyboard, and that's when we're really off to the races. The um, and that, of course, is when it will really draw funding, and when we start commercializing, and then the funds come through, and then he has everything he needs. I mean, you know, just consider what Apple or Microsoft have, for example, when they want to launch a new product. Um, The next device will be called Soul Voice, and that will be what we're doing right now, talking to those living in a different dimension. And then the fourth anticipated device, Soul Video, which is what we tried to do earlier on Zoom, (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. being able to see and hear each other. Uh, Mm -hmm. So 20 years from now, I, I wouldn't even go out that far. I would say 10 years from now, um, our ultimate goal on the video conferencing is to have it in holographic form so that um, those on earth will be able to see their loved ones, perhaps a, a little gauzily. I don't know if any of you, your listeners have been to Las Vegas shows and so on where they have holographic um, signals, representations of different people, for example, on Michael Jackson's mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's quite lifelike now, and what would it be five or ten years from now? So very, very exciting and very, very comforting for those who fear death, for those who have had a, a loved one pass on, or whether it's a person or a pet. So we live in a, a very new era, and we are... Uh, we are excited to be sharing this with people and then launch what could be a whole new era living living on Earth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Interesting about the holographic, when I connect to somebody either that's alive or deceased, that's how I see them initially is I see a hologram of them in my mind's eye. Like if I'm doing a medical scan on somebody, Mark, I'll see a hologram of them first and then... I'll shoot energy through them, and it will be as if I'm looking at an MRI or an X-ray or a CT scan. And the energy always goes to what's most needed. And I can see in my mind's eye broken bones, torn ligaments, viral infections, bacterial infections. I mean, it's just amazing the things that are possible. The other thing that's interesting, it's been my experience and also what I teach my students and also all my listeners is that, that spirits are very literal. And they're always going to give the right answer. But where the variability comes in is how is the question posed? How is the question asked? 
because the more specific the question, the more applicable the information we can get is what I have found. And I'm sure that's probably similar to what you guys are experiencing as well. And then interesting, you mentioned Apple and Microsoft and companies like that. Have you heard from any of them or any of them kind of flitting around on the periphery of this research? Because I've heard for years that companies like that, Google, Microsoft, Apple, even the CIA and the FBI, they have departments with mediums in them that are helping them to develop this new generation um, you know, if indeed you have information on that, I would be interested in in seeing that. Uh, no, yeah. we've not really officially sought out investors yet for the reasons I mm-hmm. mentioned. When I get the multi-center studies in place, uh, the journal articles, etc. However, right now we're talking about three different potential investors who mm-hmm. have heard about it, come to us. I'll just give you one example. Um, a fellow called Tony in uh, Dublin, Ireland. Um, his his work is with visionary investors. He works with about a hundred different investors uh, to okay. help set up businesses. And twenty years ago, his sister changed worlds, and he went to a medium afterwards to try to uh, communicate with her, make sure she's all right. Well, he had a great contact, and then the medium said when they were done. You know, Tony, about 20 years from now, you're going to be involved in a company that creates technology that will allow people to communicate with their loved ones much better than through mediums. And, of course, that stuck with him. (laughs) And then earlier this year, he read about the soul phone. So I got his first email, and he was just pretty much over the moon, as you might imagine, to uh, Mm -hmm. see this coming about. And we just heard from him today, and he said he's... He's in the process of lining up the uh, potential investors, talking to them, seeing who's on board, and then we'll uh, all meet at the end of the month. So it'll, we are quite clear it will happen in the right way, in the right time, with the right people. But you remember the, the second E in the SEED acronym, ethics, uh, because Dr. Schwartz is adamant that all of this occur with the utmost ethics and integrity. Right. It is. Yeah number one through ten about helping people and helping our planet and then right. after that you know there'll be plenty of money to go around the um, you know we look at the computer and cell phone industries and wonder you know how much attention was really paid years and years ago to the potential downsides or hazards and now for example they're being used to hack into people's information identity theft and so on well as the father of all this work, Dr. Schwartz, who has the the greatest mind and heart of anyone I know, says Mm -hmm. he cannot be responsible for that. You know, he cannot open Pandora's box without Mm -hmm. prudent safeguards in place. So we have some work to do. Mm -hmm. Interesting about that. My listeners always hear me say when somebody calls into the show and they want me to scan a loved one who's having medical problems or something, I'll always telepathically ask their permission to scan them. And if they say, no, I won't, I tell them, look, I can, but I won't because it's an invasion of privacy and and I'm not going to go there. So I completely understand that. The businesswoman in me, though, (laughs) hears this whole story and I think, okay, So obviously you'll have lots of patents on this. And will the patents belong to the university and 
Dr. Schwartz or just the university or how's that going to work? And then I can see this technology being licensed to, gosh, all kinds of big, big companies that are going to want to license it. Yeah, you're a business person. I've done quite a few interviews on this, and no one has asked. But since you did, yes, because all this has been developed at the University of Arizona, they own the patents. However, Mm -hmm. it's well established that professors who create new technology um, get rights to licensing those. And so that's what Dr. Schwartz will do. He's never interested in owning a company and being involved in commercialization. Uh, promotion, manufacturing, and so on. Um, But that's where the income will come in from that. And also he'll be, he'll be, of course, involved in overseeing that that integrity I mentioned is happening. When, Mm -hmm. for the last three years now, whenever he or I speak to groups, and during that time we spoke to many, many thousands of people collectively, uh, we'll say, you know, we'll describe about the cell phone and, and the different uh, stages we anticipate. <coughs> and then we'll say, how many of you think you'd be interested in a device like this? And so far, every hand has gone up. So, yes, we anticipate that in the future the market will be like a cell phone and, and probably eventually an app, an app mm-hmm. that people can get to allow them to connect with the technology centers that enable all this. But, again, that's a ways ahead. But I use this uh, analogy. Alexander Graham Bell um, received the patent for the first telephone, which is made out of wood, by the way. I mean, if you see a photo, it's just a very crude-looking device um, mm-hmm. in 1876. When I was 10 years old, 1963, we had a party line still, four numbers. You know, you get on the phone to make a call and somebody else be chatting away. You'd be like, <coughs> you know, hoping they get off so you could call somebody. Uh, that was um, almost, what, 12, 90 years after the patent. Then right. it was another um, 50 years, 2003, before the first mobile phone, which is a huge, clunky device. You had to be mm-hmm. a weightlifter to carry around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people have gotten so used to now how things are. You know, oh, there's a new uh, iPhone now, iPhone 11, but they don't realize how long some of these first inventions take to get smaller, more affordable, and high level of reliability. Have you ever heard of Cozy Earth bedding? It's your ultimate luxury escape. Cozy Earth sheets are temperature regulating and incredibly soft, and they even have a 10-year warranty. They're made from organic bamboo and silk, are hypoallergenic, and even antimicrobial. Cozy Earth sheets are so amazing, they've been on Oprah's favorite things list for five years in a row, and I have them on my bed right now. So if you're ready to elevate your sleep, Cozy Earth has a special offer for just for my listeners. Go to CozyEarth.com and use the code AskJulie for a 35% discount. That's C-O-Z-Y-Earth.com and use code AskJulie for a 35% discount. Upgrade your sleep with Cozy Earth bedding. I love them and so will you. Right, right. And it seems to be speeding up too. 
especially especially technology. But to your point, we don't we don't have any idea what went in front of it. But it seems like that technology is is just coming out so quickly, and I marvel at how little kids come in knowing how to use this stuff. I have seen toddlers who can't talk yet be able to use an iPhone or an iPad. It's just remarkable. And now for me, if I want to know how to how to do something on my iPhone, I always say I ask somebody under 25 because they know how to do it better than I and, yeah, that's uh, going to be a good thing. You know, you know it wasn't so long yeah. ago my um, dad was brought up in a religion where the <clears throat> service wasn't in English. And I said to him, uh, Dad, what, you know, what did you think? I mean, the priest is up there saying all these words. And he said, right. I, didn't, I had no idea what he was saying. I was just hoping it was good. <laughs> well, <laughs> now we have... You know, with with the internet, the reliability or the the great amount quantity of information, and as you say, little children be able to work smart devices. So, I hope in the future that there will be uh, a greater assimilation of correct information, uh, so that we can use it for good. By the way, just a um, interesting little story. We had one meeting with several of the A team members. <clears throat> and ask them, all right, when we get to the point where we can do webinars from the other side, you know, even if it's by the, the sole keyboard, um, would you all be able and willing to to do that, to share your views, for example, how we can address world uh, overpopulation, people starving, global warming, et cetera, you know, diseases, fill in the blank. The medium involved in that started laughing, and she said, they're pushing each other out of the way to get mm-hmm. first in line. Mm-hmm. And Tesla said, if you think I came up with some amazing inventions while I was living on Earth, wait till you see what I've come up with here. Uh, so that's a great, great hope for the future and uh, that I want to share with people because yeah, it, it can get discouraging. It it can be tough on Earth, um, especially for those who are sensitive, who have an open heart, and so on. To that end, we have we are starting what are called greater reality living groups. Uh, we have um, our first groups in Canada, California, and Texas at this point. Uh, but Dr. Schwartz and I anticipate early on that. We needed to help prepare people for this paradigm shift because mm-hmm. it is mind-blowing. And mm-hmm. to provide the education, uh, a place where people can learn this information forward and backward, not only the scientific data, but also the clinical and all the experiential evidence that shows without a doubt that life continues on. Secondly, we want to help people internalize that great news not just a dry um, intellectual knowing, but a deep internalized knowing that gets them through the day when they go through the toughest of times, as periodically happens, as you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, We want to teach people how to vitalize themselves holistically so they have extra energy to brighten the corner where they are. You know, being a positive change maker takes time and energy, and it's difficult to do that. 
uh, if a person's chronically depressed, anxious, fatigued, out of balance, in pain, which many people are today for good reasons, and we address mm-hmm. all those. Mm-hmm. Next, to help people enjoy the many benefits, you know, to realize all the ramifications of this uh, data, of these findings. And then finally, to consider how they can serve others and themselves and make the world a better place. So these Greater Reality Living Groups will start online first of the year, and so people around the world can attend them, learn the information, share their personal experiences. Because what we found is so many people are having spiritually transformative experiences, but in the past didn't share it with others for Mm -hmm. fear of being considered kooky. Well, it's not kooky when almost everybody has them. And mm-hmm. so we want a, to have a safe, inclusive place where people can share these experiences. I agree. I think that's just terrific. It, it, it brings to mind when President Bush, H. George H.W. Bush, Bush 41, died. I watched his funeral, and, and most of us know that his wife, Barbara, died what, four months before he did, I think it was four or five months, something like that. And and all his family and even the news media, I heard them repeat this, that the family all said, well, we're just so excited because he's reunited with his with our grandmother, Barbara, and his mother, Dorothy, two women that he just loved, and also his daughter, Robin. And it went across all of the news media that I read it, I heard it, I heard the family talk about it, I heard newscasters say it, and I thought it was so remarkable that that was something that was being broadcast just as if it was just a factual thing, that, you know, how great he's reunited with with his daughter and his wife and his mother and all his other loved ones. I thought that was well, that's how remarkable. We, we know that. Yeah. We know that... Um, Knowing the afterlife evidence doesn't take away all the grief, but it definitely lightens it. Uh, I say that it's the difference between saying goodbye to somebody, meaning you'll never see them again, ever, ever, versus, hey, I'll see you later. And it turns out that's what death really is, a see you later. Yeah, back to President Bush for a second, I heard his granddaughter, Jenna, who works for NBC. She's part of NBC News and the Today Show. I heard her say that her daughter, who I think is a first grader, uh, she was crying when her granddad died, and and the daughter came in, and she said, well, Mom, because Jenna had said, well, and it happened right before Christmas, and she said, well, Mom, of course he died right before Christmas because he had to help Grandma decorate the Christmas tree in heaven. And I thought, how remarkable that this little child, you know, what profound words out of this little child to comfort her mother. And this kid understood that. This little little girl understood that. Yeah, think of the positive ripples that can emanate from that. And that's one of the, the benefits we talk about. You know, for, for decades now, we've heard from near-death experiencers who have documented experiences, that is, while they're clinically dead, their consciousness hovered around the hospital, down the hall outside the hospital, came back mm-hmm. without any um, contact with family or friends from whom they could have learned this information. 
and accurately right. told doctors and nurses detailed events that happen while their eyes are closed and they're laying on the resuscitation table. Well, one of the many things that these near-death experiences come back and say is, we each are one with the one and part of source right now, number one. And number two, we're all interconnected, like the threads in a, a huge tapestry. Uh, when I had my radio show asked the soul doctors, Anita Morjani was one of the guests, and she described this so beautifully. Well, those are two of the biggest takeaways then now that we have scientifically shown that this is true that life continues on consciousness is primary not just a temporary byproduct of the human brain is that we can go with those and say all right there's even more evidence that number one we're each part of this phenomenon we call god right now and always not maybe someday you know if we believe a certain way or do certain things and secondly, we're all interconnected. That's why the golden rule makes so much sense, because we are, in a sense, one big family. What we do to others, we do to ourselves. Those two things alone, plus knowing that we're forever beings, can radically change the way a lot of people live, especially the more evolved souls on Earth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and interestingly enough, uh, 99, I think it's 99.99% of our genetic makeup is all the same, regardless of race or sex or any of that. It's like one-tenth of a percent is different, which I find really fascinating, you know, that we're all one. Not only are we all one spiritually, we're all one physically, too, from a genetic standpoint. So when now would make sense to drop silly things like racism and discrimination for any relatively minor outward um, differences, sexual orientation, etc. I grew up in a um, mixed neighborhood, um, half black and half white, south side of Springfield. And uh, so I walked to school every day with a couple of white kids, a couple of black kids. In fact... um, and going to kindergarten, one of my friends, Warren Smith, big African-American guy, he remembers we would hold hands because we were scared. <laughs> and, and holding hands, you know, going to school together helped. So I I just find it so incredible that uh, all this judgment still exists in 2019. And I say, hey, you know, go go make friends with somebody from every color. And same way with different... Uh, sexual orientations, you'll get to know the real person, and then you'll you'll realize that those little differences don't amount to a hill of beans. That's right. That's right. Well, let's back up a little bit, Mark, and I've heard you use the term post-material person instead of spirit. Can you tell us a little bit about what's behind that thinking and, and why you use that term? Yes, one of the most fun parts of working with Dr. Schwartz over the last three years has been the many hours we've sat together considering what are the most accurate terms going forward, uh, you know, now that we know that the life continues. And spirit is one that we we didn't like. Um, You know, first of all, it conveys different things for different people. You know, meanings of words can get strongly anchored. 
So spirit, mm-hmm. kind of like, ooh, you know, maybe a ghost, maybe Casper the friendly ghost, uh, flying through the air, gauzy, ethereal, a ball of energy. When in fact, all the indications we have so far are that those who have changed worlds are or can be just as physical as we. A number of the different early prototypes, Dr. Schwartz has measured the presence of post-material persons eight different ways. One, for example, is putting their hand through a beam of photons or electrons and then measuring the decreased speed of this flow of photons going from point A to point B. Well, it's simple physics that it requires physicality to diminish the flow of those electrons. Another experiment was an airtight compartment, and then the A-team member involved would be asked to put their hand through that. Well, the sensors inside would measure micro-movement of the air currents. Again, there has to be displacement of the air molecules for them to move. Something had to go in there and displace and change the usual arrangement. So uh, it's quite clear that they have physicality, and mm-hmm. but they're not tied to that like we think we are here on Earth. Um, and so they can be energy uh, or they can be solid, you know, just like quantum physics. They can, they can be either of those possibilities on that cusp particles, form, or energy waves. Uh, Also, interestingly, and some of the conversations have come out, uh, because we said, hey, you know, we don't want to impede your growth, what you're doing, your personal goals, by asking you to help us so much. And they basically answered, you needn't worry about that, because we can be in many places at the same time conducting Mm -hmm. different activities simultaneously Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so we started asking at some point it sounded like an auctioneer Uh, so we said are you saying you can be in five places at once and one of them kind of chuckled easily 10 yes 20 you bet 50 Mm -hmm. and then some of them started saying 50 that's kind of the max for me but some of them (laughs) said yeah I can do 100 so um (laughs) yeah yeah. So that's well, what we call them, I, post-material persons. They're, yeah. They are very physical. They're much more than a fleeting uh, glimpse of light. Right. And I, I believe that in the Bible it says we're made in the image and likeness of God, and most of us grow up believing that God sits on a throne someplace on a cloud and looks like some version of Father Time, maybe like Dumbledore from the Harry Potter movies or Gandalf from the Lord of the Rings movies. But I believe that we're made in the image and likeness of God in spirit or post-material person form. And if God can be everywhere all at the same time, I believe that in spirit form, we have the ability. And so do our loved ones who are deceased and those who are deceased, that they have the ability just to your point, what you were just talking about, what you'd heard from your A-team members. Um, I, I, Another I think reason, by the way, so we important. wanted to use that term was to to allow then an acronym, which is PMP, because you notice over the years, near-death experiencers, NDEs, mm-hmm. uh, after-death communications, ADCs. And mm-hmm. so we figured that it would be easier to introduce these new terms in the, to the lexicon if we had a easily 
easily rememberable. Oh boy, <laughs> mm-hmm. easily memorable acronym. Mm-hmm. So PMP, and so we say, yes, my uh, my PMP cat just recently passed on. Right. My PMP friend. In the beginning, it. it sounds a little strange, and that's because it's a new word. I love it. I love it. I think it makes great sense. All right. So back to how this is all being funded. If people who are listening want to get involved and want to contribute, do you have a foundation set up that's that's issuing a grant to the university? Is it coming in? I know I've read that Dr. Schwartz has gotten money from NIH, the National Institutes of Health, which is our federal government, and, and other ways. But how do you have this set up, and how can people contribute and participate? Yes, the Soul Phone Foundation is a nonprofit, 501c3, and uh, people will visit the website soulphone.org, S-O-U-L, phone.org. Uh, they will see a, um, I think it's participate is the main tab, where they can see a whole list of membership levels and go, going from $5 a month, where they receive uh, the ebook of Greater Reality Living that Dr. Schwartz and I wrote, plus the free newsletters, up to $10,000 one-time donation or more. And there's a huge list of benefits people get for that. Um, Mm -hmm. Dinner with Dr. Schwartz and I, a tour of the lab, the um, being able to use the technology, all of our books and CDs, et cetera. It's really actually Mm -hmm. a good deal, 5,000 also. Um, So those are ways can help. And then, can you imagine if uh, before Stephen Jobs or Bill Gates really launched off, uh, someone could uh, donate or invest, rather, $2 million and have a sizable percentage of everything going forward? Well, that's the opportunity right now. And you know, you, you know what a great investment that would have been. So mm-hmm. yeah, if uh, any of your listeners have the uh, wherewithal, um, you can contact me, and, and I'm all over the uh, the website. Again, soulphone.org is my contact information. Okay, and that's the best place for people to go to. And then I've been on that website, and then it leads them to other places if they want to learn more about the other work that you're doing. Yeah, the other website is greaterrealityliving.com, and that's where mm-hmm. people can learn about the the practical benefits of all this, the groups, uh, the different books. We have a whole list of resources, links. We have a um, group of advisors, people like Raymond Moody and Eben Alexander and others, and so lots of information there to people to help people begin to consider, well, there's a game changer. You know, now we know without a doubt that death is not an end. How can I go about upgrading my life and helping those in my sphere of influence. And uh, there's lots of information and strategies to do that on the greaterrealityliving.com site. Okay. The last one, while we're, while we're passing out websites, uh, is mine, <laughs> which is soulproof.com. I've for like 20 years, soulproof.com. And on it are 50 different free articles on the most common areas of questions and challenges for people when a loved one's body dies, when a, when a uh, pet 
passes on, etc. Um, and then also under the radio shows, I think about 25 different radio shows with people like Wayne Dyer, um, Michael Newton, Brian Weiss, and others discussing 11 most common questions. Who am I? Why am I here? What happens after I die? Etc. Most people know the questions. Because mm-hmm. we all have the same questions, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, all of these websites, everybody, are going to be on the show notes, and so you'll be able to easily find them wherever you download podcasts. Just look in the show notes and also on my site, AskJulieRyan.com. In the few minutes that we have left, Mark, tell us what your fervent hope is about how this technology can help enhance people's lives. The, my most fervent hope is that what has already been shown, scientific demonstration that life continues, will help people get in touch with their, their missions. Uh, it's quite clear, although we don't have scientific studies on it, but this is one of those ramifications that since we each are eternal beings, um, that we come to Earth for particular reasons in this time and place. Now, it's not just a random chaotic process. And I truly believe that uh, two things. First of all, when a person gets in touch with their reasons for being here, call it your soul's purpose, whatever you want to call it, number one, that really improves their life makes life much more fun, meaningful, peace. Uh, So many people are stuck in this existential malaise. They have this creative discontent. They're bored. You know, they wonder, like the Peggy Lee song, is this all there is? And so they um, seek all sorts of superficial, uh, excess material pursuits, you know, sex, drugs, alcohol, golf, whatever it is, trying to find happiness. And and those Mm -hmm. things are... Okay, you know, in in moderation, uh, if people want, but unless a person really is doing what they came here to do, which is usually a a number of things, um, then they're just not going to be fulfilled. Something won't be right. And so I hope that this evidence, without a doubt, that we're for beings will help people get in touch with why they came here and share that. And also Mm -hmm. believe that as more people do that, our world's problems will come together just like that, just as more pieces of the puzzle are put in place. So that's my greatest wish. And by the way, there's a, one of the 50 articles I mentioned is that, how to identify your soul's purpose and enjoy the greatest life of your dreams because those are so in, intertwined. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it sounds like you touched on it earlier that, this technology will facilitate bringing comfort to a lot of people uh, who've lost a loved one and are really suffering, and 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 perhaps that's people's purpose of being here. Of you know, okay, how can I help comfort people? That's part of my mission this time around in this lifetime is to help comfort. Yeah, this news has already helped. I get many emails every day from people around the world, and and we're up to three people now who said they were ready to die by suicide or to um, you know kill their bodies. The the real person can't die, uh, but mm-hmm. you know because they were just so discouraged and 
you know, life can be so cruel and so on. They said when they saw this, it gave them hope. And they thought, okay, I'm going to stick around. I want to see where this goes. I want to see if I can help. The other area we've seen really help is um, bereaved parents. I mm-hmm. uh, was on the uh, board for helping parents heal or write the uh, Q&A for their newsletter and speak at the conferences. And um, this is a big help for parents who otherwise may be just devastated to know that, okay, their kids are really there waiting for them. And, you know, there's no judgment if a parent is stuck forever in sadness and pain and resentment and guilt and anger. But the more a person can, moment by moment, choose to focus on love, peace, joy, enthusiasm, knowing they'll see their loved one again, then the more they do that, first, the more they heal. Secondly, the more they can then perceive their children right beside them because they're on the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, Dr. Mark Pitchstick, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this week and and filling everybody in who's listening about the soul phone and all the amazing work you and Dr. Schwartz are doing at the University of Arizona. And it sounds like soon to be lots more universities are going to be in the mix. And that's really exciting. So I will post all this information on the show notes, as I mentioned. And everybody have a great week. And we'll do a live call-in show next week. So till then, take care, everybody. Bye now. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to follow Julie on Instagram and YouTube at Ask Julie Ryan and like her on Facebook at Ask Julie Ryan. To schedule an appointment or submit a question, please visit AskJulieRyan.com. This show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be medical, psychological, financial, or legal advice. Please contact a licensed professional. The Ask Julie Ryan Show, Julie Ryan and all parties involved in producing, recording, and distributing it assume no responsibility for listeners' actions based on any information heard on this or any Ask Julie Ryan shows or podcasts.